It's good to see each and every one of you this morning, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, I know that we're uh, we've been facing this heat wave, and, and I'm so so thankful that we're in a we're in a building that has very good air conditioning, and I uh, I remember growing up there were times. Uh, that uh, I was in buildings where there wasn't air conditioning. It was fans. <laughs> there was electric fans, but uh, uh, but it didn't detract from our spiritual worship of God. And uh, but it's good to see each and every one of you. And and I love your love and hospitality and and all toward me as I come to uh, to be with you. I. Uh, <clears throat> here lately because of all the kinds of events that's happening in our in our lives here in the United States but not just the United States but abroad as we get uh, we have this communication system called television and and uh, other alternate media and things like that we're able to see what's happening around the world uh, uh, hopefully by the truth there's many things we're getting that's not uh, by the truth, but uh, I think God He enables us to to gain the truth uh, many times, even when there's lies being told. But uh, I'm I've been asked a number of times, being a minister for a number of years, uh, and being talked to and discussed about. Uh, when is the end of time going to happen? It seems like it's going to happen soon. Uh, it seems like it's upon us. Or someone maybe years ago said when the end of time was and it passed. It didn't happen. Um, what's the true answer? What is the true answer to when is, it go- when is, when is time going to end? When is the world going to end? People have asked that question time and time again, especially we as Christians. We've asked, when is the Lord coming back? Because that's when it's going to end. When the Lord comes back, we call it his second coming. Uh, We call it at the end of the world, the end of time. Uh, Do we have anything in the Bible that tells us something about this? Well, we do. And Jesus gives us an idea about it himself. He even talks about it. And uh, it's in uh, three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke. Some of it, it just says the same things. But also we have to realize part of what he's talking about in these is also about what is going to happen to the Jewish people. That's why. That's how we can kind of get keep them straight when I go through some of these scriptures, we have to remember, when Jesus is speaking to the people, it's 33 A.D. He's 33 years old. 33 A.D. He hasn't yet gone to the cross. He's in his doctrinal messages. So once he goes to the cross and he dies and he goes into the ground... Those are those three days and three nights. He's 33. But then you have some years after that 
because he comes back, he's raised from the dead, and he's uh, he shows himself more than to more than five hundred people as witnesses, not just to the disciples, those that he trained, those that he 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 uh, taught, but to other peoples, and then he left again. But then he shows up again a few years later on the road to Damascus showing himself to Saul. So we know, but he's not in the person of a fleshly body. He's in a person of a bright, shining light. This is not too long after he had been risen from the grave and departed to heaven. But he shows back up again to change Saul to Paul. But then you have a number of years after that that will occur, and we only know it through secular history, and that is we know that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. What's that, 56? Uh, 47 years after Christ died on the cross. Jerusalem was destroyed. And from what I understand, reading the history of Jerusalem, they dug up just about every stone in that city. They killed masses of people, destroyed buildings. One time the disciples came and one of them asked, Jesus, what do you think about these buildings here? How beautiful they are. He said, there will not, there will be a time when there will not be one stone left upon another. So we've got to realize that Jesus also knows the future and he knew the future of Jerusalem and he knew the future of what would happen to the people of Jerusalem and to the city of Jerusalem by what the Roman army would do to destroy. So we have to recognize that some of this of what he's telling them is dealing with what will happen to the people of Jerusalem in the future. 47 years into the future. 37 years, I'm sorry. Got to count up right. 37 years in the future of what would happen. Got to recognize that. It was a, there was a bloodbath. There was a destruction. The Romans came and destroyed. So here, I've gone over here to, uh, and Jesus, he, he, he expounds so much here, but I've gone over to the 24th chapter of uh, Matthew. Maybe Jesus will tell us some things. Uh, here and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said unto them see ye not all these things verily I say unto you there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down and as he sat upon the mount of olives the disciples came unto him privately saying Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall 
be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Because you know what he knew? He knew that from that point on in the future, there was going to be people that were going to be saying, for one, I'm Jesus Christ. Or I am a special prophet that knows when the end will come. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Well, one thing I know by listening to Jesus in in these scriptures here, I know that we're still having wars and rumors of wars, so the end is not going to be happening yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. You know, there's always going to be wars. There's always going to be nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. It it, it never fails. The, The greatest peacemakers in the world... Of course, Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace. But the greatest mortal peacemakers in the world has never been able to stop wars totally. They keep going. They keep happening. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Famines. Do we have it today? Pestilences. Do we have it today? Earthquakes. Do we have those today in diverse places, in different places? Yes, we still have those. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And you know what the beginning means. It means the start. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, we know that's true. Because from that point on, throughout time, Christians have been persecuted. Christians have been killed. Christians have been enslaved. Now, our country, we may not see it as much. We're, of course, we're facing such a uh, a critical ideological and spiritual battle against the evil that's occurring in our nation today. And you know what I'm talking about. With all the forces out there that are going against Christianity. It's an antichrist force that's going against against Christianity. Against what we believe in. We believe in the Son of God. We believe in God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Ghost. We believe in Him and we believe in His doctrine. This is in His doctrine right here. The Bible. We believe it's without error. There's no error in it. If there's error in it, it's what we perceive it's our error it's not God's he says then shall they deliver you to be afflicted shall kill you ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another do you see that happening today I know I'm not going to preach politics to you but I'm going to tell you this we've got people one political party, we've got people of another political party, we've got people of another political party, and we may be all Christians, but guess what? Now, are we truly all 
strong, strongly, uh, I would say, strong in the faith of Christianity. Because we do have people in certain parties that may be say that they're Christians, but they go along with those things that are anti-Christian. And I'm not here to bash anyone. I'm just here to tell you what the Bible tells us about these kinds of things, about what Jesus says. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. <laughs> well, it's true that he said that because, uh, you know, uh, I think in the 10th chapter of Matthew, he even said this. Let me let me go to that uh, because what we're going to bring up here is dealing with things that may offend some people. Um, here it is, uh, Matthew ten thirty four. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Well, I thought he did send peace. I, I thought the Bible says he's the prince of peace. He is. However, his doctrine, his teachings, his ways can be counter to some other people. What's a good example of his ways being countered? Look at what happened in Jerusalem. After he was teaching and he had his doctrine, his doctrine was going out. They were preaching by the, by the disciples who were the apostles. What happened to them? They were getting persecuted. They were getting prosecuted. They were getting killed. The people that followed them, they were being persecuted. They were being cast out of the synagogues for believing in Jesus Christ and his doctrine. He says, think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. The daughter against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. How was that going to happen? Who was that happening to? It was happening to the Jewish people. Because as the Jewish people were hearing Jesus, as they were understanding him and believing in him, and and uh, and knew that a change was being made from their law service to uh, the man that was fulfilling the law service to every crossing of a T and every dotting of an I, every jot and a tittle, and that he was creating a new, a new way, his way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, For I am come to set a man at variance against the father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. You know, that even happens today. We've got, a, we've got a family that the mother and father, they're strong in the faith and they're going to church, but maybe their son and daughter do not agree with them, do not find, uh, want to obey them and go to church or whatever. I mean, it's, it happens. Or maybe certain points of the doctrine of Jesus Christ is separating people and dividing people. Or the political party in the world is dividing the people. Because one political party may hold more of the Christian ideology than another one. There's a battle. There's a division going on. There's a schism happening in the world and in the nation and in the families. And what does he say? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Oh my gosh. This is hard saying, y'all. Matter of fact, there were about 70 disciples one time that when they heard Jesus, they said, this is a hard saying. Who could hear it? And they left and they didn't walk with him anymore. Seventy. Why is it so hard? Because he said one time, one person came to him asking him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy strength thy soul and the second is likened unto it love thy neighbor as thyself sometimes it's hard to love our neighbor especially when they don't understand things that are right he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. What is that? What is the basic foundation of Christianity that we practice? One of the things is, is we have, we take up a cross ourselves. And what is that cross? That cross is something that we have to bear. It's something that we have to do that Denies ourself. It's not about us. It's about others. The south, the, the serving. You know what Jesus said? He said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to be a ransom for many. A minister to serve. I came not to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom for many. That's his. That's a basic Christian doctrine. Is are you a servant? Are you? Do you serve? We serve as Christians. Um, he that taketh not his cross, followeth. Follow him. Follow me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. What does that mean? What that means is there may be, in your life, there may be a way that you may make a lot of money and you see that way. However, but if it's in the way of your Christian belief, it's in the way of your Christian way, you're going to lose your... You find your natural life, but you may lose your spiritual life. And I'm not talking about your eternal life. You'll never do anything to lose your eternal life that Jesus gave to you. When he died on the cross and shed his blood for you. You'll never lose that. But you may lose your way in this life. Where he says I came to give you life to give it to you more abundantly. Not There's no such thing as more abundant eternal life. Eternal life is eternal life. Not more nor less. But it's the life that you have in this life. In this world. Now I'm going to go back to 24th Matthew. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. 
Be careful who you listen to, who that talks to you about things dealing with God, about things dealing with the scriptures. And I'm going to tell you as a minister of God, I don't know but a fraction of any of this. I can't tell you I know it all because I don't. I only give you what God gives me through my own understanding. And when there's something I don't know, it will not be preached to you. And I just hope and pray to God, and I'm thankful for all these prayers that go up for me, because I need those prayers in order for that the Holy Ghost comes to me and gives me this knowledge to uh, impute unto you the truth. As Jesus told the woman at the well, the fourth chapter of John, he said, they that worship, he said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Got to do that. Truth is so important. He says, Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound. Listen to this. And y'all know this. Y'all are seeing it today. And because iniquity or evil abound, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What did he say as the second commandment? Love thy neighbor as thyself. But in this he says there's going to be those that they will wax cold. They won't have that love, will they? Do you see that today? But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Not that you'll be saved eternally, but you'll be saved in your life. A salvation of having Love in your life. Giving the love and receiving that love. And and serving others and being served by those others that love you. But mainly you serving them. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Where? Where in all the world? Well, I believe it's going to be every nation. Well, of course... He'll tell us about those things. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Yes. He said all nations. What about Zimbabwe and Africa? It's going to be preached there. What about, uh, what about the Amazon jungle down there in, in Brazil and Peru and those, you know, Amazon jungle encompasses so many of those little countries down there. What about there? It'll be preached. Every nation. For a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Spoken by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth let him understand. And you can go over to Daniel 9.23. tells about that. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. You remember when God went with it, uh, two angels and took out uh, 
Lot and his uh, wife and his three daughters who had husbands told them, leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Come with us. Of course, the people wanted to grab a hold of the angels and and do ugly, evil things to them, uh, but they blinded the people. The angels did. And then they took them out of Sodom and Gomorrah and they went up into the mountain. But God told them, uh, when you leave out, don't look back. Don't look back at the cities. The twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't look back. Well, they went up in the mountain. The wife looked back and they, she turned into a pillar of salt. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, unto them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither in the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. What was happening in Jerusalem at this time when he was saying all these things. He was he was teaching his disciples. He was well, he was teaching and preaching. He was preaching the messages, the words, he was giving parables uh so that not everyone could understand cuz he he restricted certain people not to understand things and then he gave revelation to those that he did. But then you see what he did was he had those that he was saving to establish his church, to establish those that understood his his ways, his ideology, because you needed people to be and worship him in a church, worship him with that spirit and truth in the church. And he was he was establishing all this. He was developing this. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Do you know today there are people that are professing they're Jesus Christ? Or they're professing that they have the power of Jesus Christ? We're not to follow them. We're not to listen to them. We're not to do anything to believe in them. He said, believe not. Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall rise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. What does that mean? That means there may, they may try to show miracles. I'm not mentioning any names, but one day I turned on the television and I saw some pastor of some church and he was supposedly, I guess, healing people one right after another, one right after another, one right after another. Healing these people. Well, I don't know. Uh, was he actually healing them or was there deception? And I think, all I know is what the Bible tells me. There's going to be those that say they're the Christ. There's going to be those that's going to make, cause, cause to have miracles, signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, what's he talking about this, the very elect? Well, one thing I could tell you is the elect are his children. Or the elect are referred to as God's children. 
But then, whenever he says the very elect, what he means is, it's those people that are his children that have been given the revelation to where it's not possible they could be deceived. It's, he's made it to where they can't be deceived. If it were, they, it says, if it were possible, comma, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. In other words, wherever there's a dead carcass of an animal somewhere, you know the eagles will be there. That's common sense knowledge, reason, isn't it? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. Have you seen when the sun's been darkened? I know sometimes we have a, a solar eclipse where something comes and uh, blocks uh, the, uh, uh, the the sun to where it, it has an outline or whatever. The sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Have we seen where both of those happen? Where the sun is darkened and the, and the, and the moon doesn't give her light? I don't think we have any, we've seen that yet. Now here's the third thing. And the stars shall fall from heaven. And I'm not talking about heaven and immortal glory. That's, diff- that's, a, that's a different heaven. The Bible many times talks about heaven being the stars, the, the, the celestial bodies, the stars and the planets out here. That heaven. So we should see the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. I suppose so. If you know the stars are are, are mis- being misaligned and they're and they're leaving their their positions, and then shall appear the Son of of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. I want you all to listen to this and look at this. It's in the Bible. Here's the scripture. And they shall gather together. This is the angels after the trump. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. Did he say from one end of earth to the other? Didn't, did he? Did you know there's people today that are against the space program? You know why? Because they're saying, I tell you what, we better not go into space. Because if something happens to us out in space, God won't be able to resurrect resurrect us. If we go and we die on the moon, God won't be able to go because he said he's going to come here to earth. Wait a minute. When I read this, you know what I said? God, you've covered it all. 
we may be on this earth another who knows how many thousands of years. And in that time, we may develop space travel to where we're going out, like in this Star Trek show or something, going out to other planets and dying out on other planets. And you know something? Doesn't matter. He will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He'll gather us. Doesn't matter where you're at and where you die. Or how you die. I've had some people tell me, hey, uh, you know, I've considered cremation because it's so uh, inexpensive. But you know what? Uh, God won't resurrect me because I'll just be asked. I said, doesn't matter. God created. He created matter. He created energy. He can take that matter and he can change it. He can uh, restore it. It doesn't matter. Who was it that created the DNA in the chromosomes? It was God. Turns out we have, we have a certain amount of something in our bodies which makes us, uh, different from each other through DNA. However, it does connect us family wise through the DNA, doesn't it? He says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. You know, I have a I have a fig tree. I had one where I, I once lived, and then when I moved, we planted another one. It was given to us as a gift from one of our daughters, and we planted it. And I grow we grow figs, and my wife she uh, she takes them and she makes fig preserves or fig jam or whatever fig cake. She does things and. And uh, we've got the tree right now out in our backyard. However, it's not growing. The figs aren't growing too well because it's under stress from this heat. But he says, and you know, he used fig tree quite often. As a matter of fact, he would go to a fig tree and he would pick figs off to eat. And one time he went to one and, and there was no figs growing on it. And he said, let this uh, tree uh, grow no more fruit henceforth forever. And the disciples saw it wither away. He was making an example of that. And that is, you know what? He likens us as trees and we're to bear fruit. We're to do things in our lives that are good according to God. But if we don't do it, he may take our life away. He might take our life away or he might make our life not too good. Because we're not doing good with our lives. If you don't display properly things, he may, he may take the blessings from you. But he says here, he uses this as a parable. When his branches yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So he's describing this tree and how that you know summer is near from the way the fig tree grows and blossoms. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, Know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now I wondered about this, and I wondered about this generation, but what he's meaning is this generation that now has the revelation of all of this. It's our generation going from there all the way through time. Heaven and earth shall pass away. 
not the heaven that God lives in and Jesus and, and the Holy Ghost live in, not that heaven that when we die we go and be, but the heaven of the stars, the heavens of the planets, the heaven that includes our planet Earth and the Earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Well, you know one thing. It's gone past 2,000 years. We still have his words here, don't we? Not going to pass away. But of that day an hour knoweth no man. We got people saying, you know what? End of this year, it's going to end. In 10 years, it's going to... You know what? If we don't control the climate, our earth is going to end in 10 years. We're going to drop a a bomb on ourselves in in next year. We're going to end next year. But as it says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven. Not even the angels of heaven. And they're powerful and they have a lot of knowledge of things. But you know what? They don't have the knowledge of when the end is. You know something else? The Bible tells us the angels even look and, and they strive to seek the the information, the revelation of God's revelations that we're, we're even given through the gospel. The angels even seek those things. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, and you know what happened with Noah, God told him to build this ship. And he had his sons there with him and his and the son's wives and his and his wife there's eight souls and they were building on that ship i think it took about a hundred years but as they were building that ship and as they completed that ship that rain came of course you can imagine all the people that were around him look at this guy building a ship miles from the from water or whatever But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. But since we have this knowledge today, you have it through what I've been telling you, if you didn't know it before, We know that, what do Christians say to one another today? Well, I know things are bad. And I know God can change these bad things. But I'm sure looking forward to whenever he comes back. Whenever that is. But I'm prepared. I'm prepared to go. Sometimes that's why I tell my children, you know, I love you. You don't know how much I love you, but I love you. So whatever happens, whether I die prematurely or whatever, you know, if I die the next minutes or hours or next days or something, I was able to tell my children I love them. And I might do things for them. Here, you know, here's some, here's something for you. Hear this or give them some kind of advice or give them some kind of information which I value very greatly or whatever. Because Jesus may come at any time. I don't know when he's going to come. Jesus said it would be like a thief in the night. He says, 
And he says, uh, marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this. That if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. What would we do if we knew Jesus was going to come? Let's say tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the morning. We had some great revelation somehow and Jesus was going to come. And and uh, it was going to be over here at some uh, famous site in Temple. What would we take with us? Or what would we do? Would we show up there at 10 a.m. there at, <laughs> in Temple? I mean, what if it, that message was given to everyone in the world? How many flights would be coming in here to be there at Temple or whatever? But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in, in what watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the son of man cometh so we're to be ready for a time when we don't know when the son of man cometh well what are we to be ready about ask yourself that question what are we to be ready well we're we're to be ready to know that he is going to come back. We believe in the second coming, don't we? Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. For then is a faithful, for then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall Find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Now I'm going to turn over here. I'm, um, I'm going to run out of time. But I want you to hear this, this parable that he spoke uh, in the 25th chapter of Matthew. He's giving two kinds of people. And here one thing I also want to tell everyone we believe there's a hell. That means there's a place that is that people are going to go. And I say people, not just the devil and his angels, but people. And it'll tell you here. There is a place that is a place of eternal destruction. It's a place there is no eternal life to it. It's called hell. And there are people that's going to go to it. And Jesus gives an example of two kinds of people, but he gives it to them, referencing them, one as sheep and one as goats. Listen what he says. He says, uh, this is the 25th chapter of Matthew, uh, 31st verse. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. 
And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. How does God look at things when he looks at us and what we do? What will we do? What did we do to others and for others that were his people? Did we visit them when they were in prison? Did we feed them when they were hungry? Did we give them clothes when they needed it, naked, and things like that? He said, when you did it to them, you did it to me. Remember when I told you about Jesus being on the road to Damascus and he met uh, Saul? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Jesus wasn't in the flesh there with Saul uh, beating him or Saul doing anything to him? No. But he was doing it to his people. And he likened that unto this here. He says, Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hungry, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when shall, saw we thee in hungry, and a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of these, least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You know, not many preachers preach this. You know why? Because it shows where God does not love everyone. There's a doctrine out there that says God loves everyone. He loves loves everyone. No. He does not love everyone. He loves everyone that he chose. According as he has chosen them. uh, uh, Chosen him. Uh, Let let me go to that. I I want to quote that. And and look at. uh, You can look at the the book of Ephesians. Look what he says here. uh, First chapter. Uh, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, if he chose his people before the foundation of the world, what did we have to do with it? No. But what he did was he has, has a people, he put his spirit in the people, the spirit in the people, 
have the fruit of the Spirit in them, and that's love and joy and meekness and gentleness and kindness and faith, long-suffering. It says, against such there is no law. We have those characteristics in us which we display and we we act upon, and we do good good deeds, clothe us, you know, clothe the naked and, and visit the sick in the hospitals and wherever and, 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 and give money to people that need And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now you and I are seeing these kind of people out here. And I'm going to tell you all this. And I might have mentioned this before in the church. Uh, I had to attend a seminar of of a of, uh, of a uh, a homicide detective who uh, told uh, us group of social workers and 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 pe- counselors and people like us uh, that dealt with the unfortunate people of the world, mental health uh, and and mental retardation uh, type people. Uh, that he investigated satanic crimes. There were people that. They worship Satan. They do uh, heinous and horrible things based on on their uh, their belief, which means sacrificing children, just like the old god Balak, uh, Moloch, and Baal of, uh, in the old uh, times of, of Israel. And in closing, I'm going to go over here. Uh, and you could, if you want, you could go into uh, the uh, 15th chapter of First uh, Corinthians, and uh, around the 51st verse, and it will tell you about what will happen to you when you when you're changed. But uh, going over here to uh, to Thessalonians, I'm going to go over here because I go to this whenever I tell people this is what's going to happen at the end of time. He tells it exactly. Uh, it says, uh, "15th verse." For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are uh, okay. Uh, let me go up above that. Yes, thirteenth verse. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or those that are dead, corporal dead. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Can you imagine the people that don't believe in God, don't believe there's heaven and things like that? Have no hope. For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And you know what that tells me? When the Lord comes back, not everyone's going to be dead. There's going to be people dead and in the graves and maybe just dead and hadn't been buried yet. But there's going to be people alive. Which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them from which are asleep. In other words, there's going to be those that are dead, those that have just died, and those that are alive. And those that are alive are not going to prevent them which are dead from anything happening to them, what the Lord's going to do to them. Look. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel, just like he said back in 24th chapter of Matthew, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, them that were dead that were raised in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we Shall we ever be with the Lord? So what's he telling us? He's going to come back. There's going to be those that are dead. They're going to rise first. Then those that are remaining alive, they'll be taken up too. Wherefore, comfort one another, you one another with these words. Well, let, let me go over here to Corinthians. Then I'll close out with this one. Because this tells us, What's going to happen to us when he comes back and he raises those that are dead and those that are alive and he takes us? There's going to be a major thing happen with the dead and with those that are alive. And I'm going to tell you, in the category of death, it doesn't matter whether you were burned to death, whether you were eaten alive, whether you were, uh, you know, crushed to death, or if you were dead and buried for thousands of years and you're just dust, it doesn't matter. He's going to come back and look what he says he's going to do. 51st verse. This is what the Apostle Paul, by the revelation of God, told the church at Corinth. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Well, that's in accordance with Thessalonians, isn't it? We shall not all sleep or we shall not all be dead. But we shall all be changed. Whether you're dead or whether you're alive, you're going to be changed. This is at the end of time. See, time will be no more when this happens because we'll all be brought up into heaven and in heaven there is no time. Time is change. God said, I am God, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Also, there's no change. You know, someone said, hey, you know what? Uh, my father, he, he's gone and died. He's now waiting for me in heaven. There's no waiting. There's no time. If whenever I die and I go to heaven, I see my father, guess what? It will be as though it was a moment. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. You see, in heaven, we cannot live in heaven with a sinful body. Or any kind of a body. Or any kind of a, uh, of a, uh, an existence with sin. With imperfection. We have to be changed. He's going to do that. For this It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be changed. You know the twinkling of an eye? You know the eye reflection off your your pupil and iris? That's faster than the blink of an eyelid. Fraction of a second. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Again, the trumpet will sound. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
Because you know what? When we die, we won't stay dead. When we're alive, we won't die and stay and be dead. We will be changed and we will become incorruptible and immortal. Immortal means having eternal life, not being able to die. We will not die and we refer to it as the second death. Did you know if Jesus Christ did not die on the cross, you know what was in store for us? The second death or eternal death, eternal damnation and death. But Jesus Christ, he took the wrath of God that was placed on us through Adam because Adam was the one that transgressed his law and plunged us into this sin debt. But Jesus Christ took that sin debt and took it away. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Because you know what the law did, don't you? The law condemned us in that it showed us how sinful we were. Because the law said, don't kill, don't uh, disobey your parents. Uh, don't lie. Don't steal. Don't do this and don't do that. And we're doing it. So what did it do? It just showed us how sinful we were. Before he just told Adam one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only law. Later on he made ten of them. If Adam couldn't keep one, how could we keep ten? But he says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Us. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know what the work of the Lord is. What he tells you, what you need to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do the right thing. Do the things that are that are uh, what God instructs us to do, abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer.